Good morning, New Hope, and Happy New Year to you. Uh, Those that are in person here today online, uh, welcome. I pray and I hope blessings over your new year. And I really want to encourage you, as Pastor John talked about next week, we're going to be starting our three-week Daniel fast that we've done here at New Hope for a variety of years now. And I really want you to look at that, consider that for your life, to give something up in your life so that God can do something in your life that you couldn't do unless you have walked through this area of fasting. And just pick up the booklet on the way out. I'd like them to be handed out on the way out here today from the room and that, and just learn about it. What does this look like and what can God do in your life? It's huge because I want to talk to us today about living with intention, living with intention. Uh, It was funny when I walked in today, people were commenting and saying, well, hey, where's your Packer Viking, you know, jersey? You know, where's the split jersey and all that, the games tonight? And I sort of totally blanked it this morning. I was dressing for warmth, you know, because it was cold out. But when I was leaving our house, I, uh, I saw our popcorn bowl, which has the Vikings emblem on it, really, in our house, the Packer house, the, this popcorn bowl. And we got it a few years ago. And when we received this gift of this popcorn bowl, it had the Viking emblem, and then it had a red circle around it with a line through it. And I'm like, oh, what a great gift for a Packer home. This is awesome and all that, until we washed it. When you wash it, the red goes away and you're just stuck with the Vikings emblem on the popcorn bowl. And I thought, what a great gift. That person had intention, right? (laughs) That person was intentional setting us up. And uh, so we, we use it. It was out today. We'll probably use it tonight. But I want to challenge you this morning to live a life of intention as we go into this new year. Okay. So when I was a kid growing up just outside of Madison uh, in Monona Grove, a good friend of mine, Kurt Arvold and myself, we would play in a creek next to our house. It's just a slow-moving creek. And we would take our model boats, and we'd go down to the creek to race each other, and we'd launch them out into the creek. And obviously, depending on the current Depending on where the wind was, the boats would just go wherever the wind took it or the current took it. Uh, If it got caught up in the grass or if there were rocks or whatever, and we'd have to try to reach out with a stick to loosen them up or wade out in the water to get them or whatever. Uh, But they sort of went wherever they were going to go, depending on the wind and the current and the grass and the rocks or whatever. And that is a picture for all of us in the room of living a life out of reaction or a reactive life. Here's the definition of a reactive life, acting in response to a situation instead of creating or controlling it. These boats just were out there floating and the wind took them where it wanted, the current, the grass, the rocks or whatever. There was no control. But a couple of years later, when the remote control boats came out, 
we saved our money, we could buy those, we could put them in the crick, and now we could live proactively, right? Because we could steer those boats against the current or the wind around the grass or rocks. They wouldn't get caught up, right? And there was a difference there. And that's where I want to challenge us this morning to go into this new year being people who live not just reactively, whatever comes, comes, but to be proactive in our lives and to be People who live with intention, the word intention means a thing intended, an aim, a plan. So when it comes to living your life, are you reactive or proactive when it comes to your view of your work or your preparation for your work day or even your work week? What are you thinking about? How about your learning? Are you growing in any kind of wisdom in your life or education in your life? at this point of your life? How about your health over this next year? Is there any kind of plan of what you are going to do differently in order to live healthier? How about your generosity? Are you only generous if you are prompted to be generous? Or is it a lifestyle? I strive to be generous. I look to be generous, right? How about your attitude? Do you choose your attitude Or do you allow situations to choose it for you? There's a big difference there, right? You come up against situations, you react, and it controls your whole attitude. What is it going to be? Are you going to choose it or let your situations control it? How about your character? Who are you when no one's looking? Who are you? Who are you after this hour of church in your life? Is there areas where you need to be more intentional when it comes to your character in your life? Now, obviously, in every area of our life, we can't be proactive or premeditated or plan it out. We have to be reactive to certain aspects on our day or our week or in life that come along our way, right? But what I'm challenging us to do here this morning is to make sure that the percentages of our life for our day, our week, our month, our year, our life, is more towards being proactive, intentional in how we live than just reactive. My hope is that, man, we're in the 55 to 70% that, hey, we're proactive instead of like, well, I'm just going to be reactive. Wherever the wind wants to take me, the waves, the current, the rocks, so I'm caught in the grass, whatever is whatever, right? But that we live a life of intention. Why? Because we see this from our master. We see this from our savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, that he lived a life of intention. He was proactive. Obviously, he had to be reactive in certain situations, but ultimately, he was a man who lived a life of intention. We see it right away as a, at a, as a young child, age of 12, that he is in the synagogue talking to the priests and the religious leaders. His parents come with the family to Jerusalem during the Passover. His parents and family leave. They're in this big caravan. They realize, hey, our son isn't with us. Two days, right? But there are a lot of people thinking, oh, the aunts and uncles got him, right? They go back to Jerusalem, find him in the synagogue, and they're like, son, what are you thinking? And he responds and says, hey, didn't you know I need to be in my father's house I mean, he already was aware of this unique relationship he had with his heavenly father. We see at age 30, 
when he starts his public ministry, he is sent out into the desert 40 days, 40 nights, no food. He comes back, and the moment he steps out of the desert, the enemy, the devil, is waiting for him and says, hey, you're pretty hungry, aren't you, dude? Pretty hungry, I bet. Why don't you take these stones and turn them into bread? And he starts tempting him. He takes him to the high cliff, and he says, listen, all the world's wealth, all the world's power, I will give to you if you bow to me. Man, if Jesus was a man who just lived his life out of reaction, instead of being proactive, he may have felt for that kind of challenges, right? Those temptations, right? But he said, doesn't say it in the word, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And the enemy flees and leaves him alone. Soon after that, Jesus is at a wedding party and celebrating. They run out of wine and his mom, Mary, tells him, hey, son, they're out of wine. Why don't you do something here? And he reacts. He says, dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come, which gives us this picture that Jesus had premeditated his life, where he was going, his intentions, and his intentions was the cross, right? But he's saying here, listen, I'm not to be as public as I need to be at this point because I'm not going to the cross yet. And he uses this line four or five other times in his ministry over the next three years. We see later on in John chapter 16, he feeds the 5,000. It's the first time wherever there's fast food. You know, he creates fast food, right, for us. People were amazed. I mean, they were like, this is awesome, right? And so their intent was to make him king. He knew this was their intent. He says in John 6, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. You see, if, if he just lived a life of reaction, just reaction, 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 he may have ended up just being an earthly king instead of the king of kings and lord of lords, right? But he was a man of intention. We see later on, before he's going to Jerusalem to go to the cross, he has his disciples around him and he fills them in on the story on what his plan is, right? In Matthew 16, he says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. I mean, he's saying, hey, boys, this is my intention, I'm being proactive here. This has been the plan all along. And we know at that point, Peter steps between him and Jerusalem and says, never, Lord, never would I allow that. And Jesus says what? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. I mean, if he lived just a life of reaction, he might have responded to Peter like, dude, thanks so much. I mean, that was stupid thinking. What was I thinking? <laughs> right? But no. He premeditated, he planned, he, he lived with intention. 
if Jesus lived a life that wasn't intentional, was reactive instead of proactive, there would be no cross. There'd be no forgiveness of our sins. There would be zero salvation for us. There'd be no transformation for our lives to look less like ourselves and more like him. There would be this challenge in our lives of not understanding what is our purpose here and what is our purpose in death as well. But I like what Richard Leader says. He says, the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. The purpose of life is to live a life of purpose, meaning living with intention, thinking through our life. And when we get this bigger picture of this is what God wants for us and has equipped us to do. In Philippians 1.6, it says, man, God who began a good work in you and I will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. He is at work in our lives and he wants us to be involved with it as well. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are God's workmanship. I mean, we are his artwork. He loves what he's done in our life. We are God's workmanship created to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. It's a very intentional communication of what our life should look like, right? And regardless of what we've been handed in life, what we've dealt with in life, regardless of our skills or spiritual giftings in life, right? God has purposed it. God has equipped us for it. And I want to give you a little picture of that by sharing this uh, brief video clip that I took off an Oprah show of Nick Voyachish. And you'll probably recognize Nick right away when you see him and hear his story, but he takes this opportunity on Oprah to talk about his relationship with God. And because of his relationship with God, regardless of what he's been dealt, he can live a life of intention, live a life of purpose. And so let's watch this clip. Tonight, say hello to Nick. We're standing up for Nick. Now, this is what's so unbelievable. As you've heard, people complain about the spots on their face and people complain about not having a boyfriend and not being able to have the mates of their life. What happened to you that you were able to take all of you, take your chemistry, being born with no arms and no legs, take your connections, your relationships, your life circumstances, mm -hmm. your state of consciousness, and then choose, make the conscious choice yeah. that you were going to take all of that which the rest of the world looks at, you know, undeniably as a pretty bad hand and that you were going to turn it into something, you were going to be exalted by it. What, what happened to you that you were able to do that? Oprah, I know that you love to think out of the box and have things outside of the box in your yeah. show. Yeah. And I know that you love illustration. So if I may illustrate in about 180 seconds, can I do something a little crazy, but it'll Certainly. be powerful. Go Is that right cool? Ahead. You got a camera behind me, right? Yeah. I'm going to show you. Come, come, come. The best step right here. Is there enough light here? Okay. The chemistry. I was born without arms and legs. The chemistry I could not change in my life. I know that 
God didn't give me this pain, but what the enemy tried to use for bad, he turned into good. Man, the connections. I want to tell uh, Porsche, uh, look, I'm a guy, I love cars, okay? And I love Porsches more than Ferraris, okay? <laughs> and, and I want everyone to know that, that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And until you can actually understand that we are all wonderfully and fearfully made from God, um, I want you to know that, that you will always be trapped and chained and you will be stopped. But when you have the incredible power of faith in action, nothing holds you back. And you're beautiful just the way that you are. No worries. For me, I felt the connection. For me in my life, I'm thinking, man, I'm not going to get married. I can't, you know, can't even hold my wife's hand. What connection am I going to have? But you know what? All things come together for the good for those who love him. Man, this is a little bit high. I'm going to break my arm, man. This is pretty crazy. All right. I'm going to break my arm. Circumstances. Being born without arms and legs, man, it's all about choice. You asked me what it was. I had parents who were my heroes. They always said, you, you can either be angry for what you don't have or be thankful for what you do have. Do your best and God will do the rest. Man, consciousness. Because I gave my life to Lord Jesus Christ and the renewing of my mind, I knew that I could be unstoppable. I mean, I just gave you three minutes and 20 seconds of challenge to sit and think through your life and say, man, I need to live a life of intention. And that God has equipped each one of us to be able to do that, regardless of where we've been, what we've experienced, what we have, all those things in our lives. And we get this challenge from Nick to do that as he has done that in his life. And so my challenge to you this new year is to be proactive in your life, to be intentional in your life, instead of just living reactively in your life. John Maxwell is a pastor and also a business guru and that. And years ago, he wrote a book called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And the very first law, the chapter, is the lesson of the lid. And the lesson focuses on the reality that unless we are intentional about our living, at some point we are going to hit a lid in our life where we stop growing, period, in every area of our life. Matter of fact, USA Today stated that by age 30, most people stop growing in every area of their life. By age 30, you know, it's sort of interesting that upon graduation from high school, 80% of graduates never read another book the rest of their life, 80%. So this whole idea of this, this lesson of the lid. And so often for many of us, we're just like, oh, life is too busy, too chaotic. I don't have time to even think through what I should be doing or whatever and that kind of thing. But it reminds me of this caveman cartoon 
up here, you know, where it's like, hey, no thanks, we are too busy, you know, I mean, it's like, and we're, we're like losing out. I mean, maybe we're heading down the wrong way or we're, trying, we're working three times harder than we really need to or whatever. If we just stop, if we would think things through, regain perspective, premeditate, proactive, be intentional in our life. And so I want to challenge you this year to live a life of intention. I want you to set goals. I want you to pursue them. And then also I want you to share them with another person. There's this scientific term called goal contagion, goal contagion, where scientists said that if you write down your goals and then you exchange them with one other person, you will have a greater success multiple times over in reaching those goals or some of those goals. And so I want to challenge you in this area to be intentional in your lives. And so I want you to grab your brochure that you received when you walked through the door. I want you to grab a pen in front of you in the chair, and I want you to fill in these blank spots, okay? So these are areas that I look at or review uh, once a year in my life. I set new goals. I exchange it with a friend. We meet every other week, and we reflect on these goals at least quarterly, hold each other accountable. But the first one is spiritual, What spiritually in your life do you want to see change over this next year? And be intentional about it, okay? I mean, one of mine was listen more, have silent devotionals. Like, I'm good at talking to God, and then I'm out the door. But do I be quiet ever? And do I listen? Do I give him a chance to speak to me? The second one is physical. Look at the physical areas of your life. Look at your health overall. What needs to be intentionally changed or run after? I mean, after COVID, one of my goals this last year was to have checkups in all areas of my life, right? And that's how they found cancer in my body, through one of those checkups, right? But be intentional in this area. The next one is relational. Relational, being intentional. What do your relationships look like and how do you want them to look differently? One that I have every year that I pursue is doing something with guys twice a month. Doing something with guys twice a month. I live with all women. It's awesome and that kind of stuff, but I need to intentionally go out and be with men and and play and recreate and hunt and fish or do whatever, those kind of things. And it's good for me. Build those relationships. The next one is professional. What are you doing professionally? Now, you may say, well, I'm retired. Well, what are you still doing professionally? I mean, you have all this work knowledge, all this life knowledge that you've accumulated. Man, you could be like mentoring someone younger than you. You could be helping a child at one of our schools read a book. You, could, you can reinvest all that you've learned into somebody else. What are you doing professionally? I mean, obviously, I'm probably not going to be a pastor the rest of my life, like forever, whatever. Like, So I'm already trying to think, what's next, God? What would you have? What, what should I be doing? Because at some point, you're probably like, would you stop talking to us, right? You know, no, I'm just kidding, right? Family, you know, what do I need to do when it comes to family and, and being intentional? And, and what do I want to see in my area of being a dad and a grandfather and that growing? What do I need to do? Financial. What about your finances, sitting down and premeditating, being proactive, thinking those areas through? Uh, just the other day, my wife and I were driving, and I told her, I said, hey, this next year, I am, my goal is not to buy anything. That doesn't make sense, right? Like, we, we gather things that are just like off the cuff for this or that, and we don't really need them, and that kind of stuff, and the goal of like, man, pausing, saying, I don't need it, I don't need it, right? How about emotional? 
You know, where's your stress, your anxiety, your challenges, and your emotional health, and to sit down and say, what do I want to do different over this next year? Probably just implementing a level of exercise, you know, a level of like walking, you know, getting a treadmill or whatever. It's incredible how that reduces your stress, your your and it strengthens your emotional health. But what are you doing emotionally? The next one is educational. Are you growing in wisdom? Are you growing in knowledge in just life in general? Or not? And and challenging yourself, reading on some history, reading about, hey, how does government work? Reading on, you know, just character aspects, whatever it might be. And then the next one, recreational. What are you doing recreationally? Are you playing? Are you having fun? Are you planning some kind of vacations or a day away, days off, those kind of things to take care of yourself or your family or whatever? Are you intentional about that? Or is it more of like, oh, well, whatever comes, comes. We know when we're like, hey, we'll just wait and then we'll go on vacation. Everything's taken, right? <laughs> or at least the top five choices we want, right? And that and we end up, you know, somewhere in Hodunk, whatever, right? So be uh, you know, recreational, be intentional. And the last one is character. What about your character? Have you ever sat down and said, man, I want to be intentional about my character, about who I am as a person. One of my goals last year was judgmentalism. You know, I just felt like, man, you judge people all the time. You know what, how we can walk into a room and we can like judge everybody in the room in like 30 seconds. Our mind goes towards, you know, what they're wearing, how they're dressed, how do they talk? Oh, I had history with them, whatever. And you're just like, and you got everybody judged in the room and that. And like, I hope I'm not the only one in the room that's like, like does this or what? Like I have this instinct, like we have this instinct, like we naturally like have this pre-thought or this or that, but I hope I'm not the only one that does this or otherwise I'm like a super jerk, you know? But uh, it's just like, God, I want to get away from that piece. You know, I don't want to prejudge or do anything for anybody, but how do we change that, right? Well, I had to write it down. I had to work at it. I had to think about it, right? Those kind of things. Now, I know I'm like, all these areas, you're probably like, man, that's like overwhelming. <laughs> really? Well, the whole idea is sit down, think about them. Maybe you'll pick one. Maybe you'll pick two areas, whatever. You know, maybe you'll have all of them, but have one goal out of all of them, whatever. But here's the reality. I have never, ever, ever, never reached all 100% of my goals every year. Never, never, ever. But I've reached 25%, sometimes 40%, you know, 50% or whatever. But I'll tell you this, if I didn't do anything and just lived in reaction and no intention, I wouldn't reach anything, right? I mean, last year, one of my goals by age 60 was to run my 10th marathon and to have a six-pack, right? Didn't happen. It didn't happen. I ended up with a three-pack and I ran a half marathon. But something happened, right? Something happened, right? But if we don't do nothing, nothing will happen. So I'm challenging you this new year into this year, sit down today before your year starts, your week starts, and live a life of intention. The second law of thermodynamics states this, with any system, nothing ever remains the same. Change is constant, right? If energy or matter is added or taken away, the system changes, but even if we leave the system alone, we don't touch it. Deterioration happens. 
It's sort of like a house, picture of this, this house on the screen. Man, if we just leave our houses alone, we never clean them, do maintenance, do nothing, they deteriorate, they fall apart. It's the law of entropy. But it's also a picture of our lives in these areas when we are not intentional. And when we just live lives that are reactive and the wind and the current and the grass and the rocks get us caught up and we just react, react, react. As opposed to being remote control and being in control and proactive and intentional. And that's where I want us to go this year because we see it in our master Jesus. And he says that he wants to do immeasurably more than all we could even ask or imagine in our lives by his power in us and for his ultimate glory. Ephesians 3, 20, 21. I love the simple verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, so whether you eat or drink, down to the basics, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That little simple verse is a verse of living with intention. And that's where I want us to move this new year. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you and we thank you that because Christ lives in us, the Holy Spirit, we can be people who are proactive instead of just reactive, who are intentional and live with purpose. So I pray favor over each one here this morning that they would sit, meditate through this list, and then premeditate what they want their year to look like in these areas and invite you in to do it in and through them. In Jesus' name, amen.